1: forget to head on over to our website at shamelesssex.com for more. And for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use coupon code SHAMELESSPP in all caps at purepleasureshop.com.
2: You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit
1: pleasurepodcasts.com. Well, hello, everyone. Hey, everybody. I am not... Happy Amy right now. <laughs> I'm so used to being happy Amy, like 95% of the time, that when I'm not happy Amy, I go through a lot of processes, including, will people still love me? Chip still... Do you, I know that you still love me, Chip. But I am just... You got a little Cunty McBeagles in today. I am... Yeah, you walked in the door and I instantly like, took Wah. out... I was like, ah. And you were like, don't take out your shit on me." And I was like, you're right. <laughs> I... I'm having a hard time. I'm having some medical issues, everyone. I um, I talked about how I got my libido back. I've been looking for it for 2.5 years. I got it back full force. And now that I'm fully aroused and turned on, I'm having a health issue with something that I had years ago um, in my 20s that um, I won't get I'll go too deep into it, but that my Bartholin's gland, if anyone else struggles with this, I think it's like 2% of vulva owners have this where... Um, the two glands that vulva owners have that are responsible for one part of vaginal lubrication, kind of that silky fluid that you get when you're initially aroused, mine have been kind of blocked and I've had cysts on both of them, but one of them has been uh, quite active since my 20s and it's completely related to arousal. So when I'm aroused, they fill fluid and the fluid gets stuck. And now that I'm fully turned on and I've worked towards this thing, now my body's trying to block me. It's like my my mind was trying to block me before and my body too. And now my physical body is trying to block me and it's really annoying. And it's one of those conditions where you get some answers from doctors and you don't get, it's not clear. And I'm fucking frustrated. I'm just feeling really down that and low. That sounds absolutely heartbreaking and when you need to go see a doctor it's like hard to see one because that because they're like oh i'll see you in three weeks it's a problem now i can't wait for three weeks so anyways i just wanted to out that if i don't sound like my normal chipper self i'm feeling really frustrated and just kind of low
0: well we're all entitled we're humans we're not robots no and that's something that we were just working on Well, to bring up our advertising situations, we listened to feedback and we were just pre-recording our two favorite OMGS and Uberlube ads so we can insert them into future episodes because folks were complaining about the length of our ads. And we love our sponsors and the reason that we chose these sponsors is because... We love them, and we do. We probably give them too much airtime, but now we're specific. And that being said, we're not robots, Amy. We're, we're not, not robots.
1: robots. And it took us like 80 takes to do those ads <laughs> because we're both in a funk. Now people are going to listen, and they're going to be like, they weren't even that good. Okay, fine. <laughs> it took like 10 takes because we usually, and usually April and I are on fire. Podcasting for me is usually actually what brings me out of my low. Yeah, I can be super low, and it can just turn me on. And right now, I just don't have it in me and we also
0: did lose a very good friend in our community too recently so we're dealing with some heavy stuff but between all of us and you know we're in podcast land we're real people and we struggle with real things and real life situations health stuff we lost a dear friend of ours and um it's been heavy so um we love all of you and we thank you for tuning in and amy will be back you'll get your best self probably very soon I'll no. help you get there Because I love you Oh, Chip You can borrow Legend Even though there's a pain in your ass Yeah it's her
1: dog everyone <laughs> I, I don't know if I can handle him right now He's so no, adorable not. He's snug though at night So as April said We listened to all of your comments Whether it's on iTunes Or via email And the thing that we heard the most Was that you were getting irritated The way we did ads So now we pre-recorded them And they will be inserted In the middle of a podcast So this intro will be shorter than usual And there will not really be ads in here We might plug a couple other things And to start with what we're plugging Our Patreon donators, Jacob and Sydney. We love you. Thank you for donating on Patreon. We are we, we need that because we want to get new microphones. And We've met Sydney. We've met? No, we all just via, or via video. Oh, via video. Yeah. I love her. Yes. Sydney, you are a malls. And Jacob, we haven't met you yet, but we hope to meet you someday. I don't know what city you're from. Uh, but for our Patreon donators uh, who help us to support this podcast, you can learn more by going to Patreon.com backslash shameless. That's dot com backslash shameless sex. And you can learn more about how to support a podcast. And when we have better mics, you can be like, I did that. I did that for them. I also want to give a
0: quick, a brief shout out to, we just got stickers made, Amy <gasps> and I. We did. And, and they're, it's cartoon Amy and April. It, I feel like a Disney princess in our uh, in our new stickers. And they're just small. We're doing an event in uh, Brooklyn in September. September. Expo in September. Yeah. So we wanted something to give out and we're doing a few other contributions. But I do want to give a huge shout out to the creator and she actually isn't on any sort of social media, but she does have a website and she does a lot of freelance work. So if you need any graphic design, website design, she's got great prices. She's amazing. Her name's Stacy Shuiso and you can find her at stacyshuiso.com and I'm going to actually spell it out for you but Amy talk about something else because I need to find the text message we're teaching
1: in Salt Lake City in the first weekend of August I believe that's August 3rd and 4th or 4th and 5th it's the very first weekend of August in 2019 at Blue Boutique the first night which is Saturday night we're teaching orgasm 101 that's orgasm for everyone and then the following Sunday morning we're teaching blow jobs and brunch and you get even a small brunch with maybe some mimosas so to Come and play with us to learn more. Go to blueboutique.com. You can learn. You can laugh. You can play. It's going to be a blast. Hope to see you there.
0: Brunch and blowjobs. I can't
1: wait. I love me some brunch and blowjobs.
0: Bacon. Tempeh bacon if you're not into bacon. I'm not eating bacon. I'm not either. Well, yeah, I am sometimes. (laughs) So Stacey... Her website is s t a c e y s c h w i e s o w dot com. And you can check out our sticker on our Instagram page. We're mm-hmm. back on, by the way, we were shut down and now we're back on game on. It's- Sex educators are being shut down on Instagram, as you'll hear in this episode. Uh, Veronica actually mentioned it a little bit, but mm-hmm. we got shut down again for a minute and we were scared that we weren't going to be back, but um, we post a little story about uh with our with our stickers and about uh stacy so if you need web stuff i know we always need some kind of web help um and graphic design stuff she can she can do that so thanks Thanks, stacy for
1: making us a cute little cartoon we're adorable and if you are all in brooklyn you will can receive one come visit us at the sex expo (laughs) so a sex question this is a longer sex question april has not heard it yet so are you ready for it surprise so this is from a long-term listener. I've been listening to your podcast for two years on Spotify. Yes, we're on Spotify. We're also on iTunes, Google Play, etc. I'm married and been been with my wife for about ten years. We love our kids, but they are both a lot of work, and my wife struggles. We never, oh sorry, my wife never wanted to have sex, and when we did, she would complain and tell me to be quick. To be honest, I have felt like my wife was not really a sexual person, and we have had mismatched sex drives. I supplement this with porn. On a good week, we would have sex around three times, on an average, one only one time, but generally do at least once. With ex-girlfriends prior to meeting my wife, we would have sex every day. We could. My wife will usually only have sex in missionary position and sometimes while she lays on her stomach and I answer her from behind. She doesn't like oral sex and won't allow me to go down on her. She isn't willing to try new things no matter how hard I try. Could this mean she doesn't actually love me? And do some girls not like oral sex? Sex actually got better when I used some of your tips that you guys have given. I try to massage her and make her feel comfortable beforehand. I guess I'm just trying to get something I could use to improve things. A lot of the tips center around oral sex and toys, which I'm happy to try, but she isn't. I think maybe she struggles to relax and let me take control. Okay. All right.
0: I have some familiarity. Familiarity? Familiarity.
1: I said that right, right? I don't... My brain doesn't even I hope know so. what... Into in the grammar control, folks, right now, please right. spare us because we're having a hard day. Yeah, just give us a break right now. <laughs> uh,
0: I've been in the boat of his partner before. One of my first uh, like, long-term relationships. Marriage. I, marriage. Well, my marriage, marriage, we had good sex. I just... I had not been comfortable in my own body for a little while because of just a a lack of exercise. I wasn't doing things that really lit me up except uh, kind of consuming if you will. And I wasn't feeling comfortable my first relationship, though my first long m- long term relationship, I would always want him to fuck me quick and finish. And missionary was missionary or doggy. I knew doggy would get him off faster, so I'd always be like, "Let's do so doggy, get it over with." So attitude. to get it over with, yeah. yeah. And I have to say, I can't relate to uh, her what she's going through because I don't know what she's going through. She hasn't communicated that, and. I can say it may be some body stuff. It may be some physical or some some emotional stuff mixed with the physical stuff. Uh, you don't know. However, I will say that it won't change. You can't change it for her. She is going to have to change it for herself. And it sounds like you're making a lot of really smart moves to do your play to do your part to kind of better. The sexual relationship. And I'm sure Amy's going to have some awesome tips. In my opinion, it does come down to her kind of making the shift. And children, of course, they're exhausting and you're going to be spent. I mean, I got a, it's not comparative, but I have a dog and it fucking exhausts me. Sometimes I'm like, he's a puppy. He's crazy. I'm up all night. Not the same thing. I didn't birth the animal. And so my body hasn't changed. However, I will say that a lot of it comes down to. Your self-awareness, self-confidence, and if she's really not into trying anything or making any shifts, that might be something that you need to talk to her about. Maybe there's a renegotiation in the mix for the relationship. If your sexual needs aren't getting met, not right away, maybe you need to seek help outside of the relationship, a neutral party, some kind of coach. However, you can't do this for your partner.
1: Yeah, I, I so I'm looking at the questions. One, could this mean that she doesn't actually love me? I'm a, I we don't know the answer to that. My guess is is she probably I don't know most she likely doesn't she, love herself. Well, and, and it probably, I don't wouldn't take it. I mean, maybe there's some part of it that's personal, but like April said, it seems like it's probably more personal for her. Again, we don't know, but if someone, just because someone isn't in their desire, in their erotic body doesn't necessarily mean it has anything to do with you and that they don't want to fuck you because they don't love you or vice or whatever that is. So we don't know the answer to that, but what I would suggest is taking the, per, making it personal a little, put that on the sidelines as much as you possibly can, and don't interpret her desire to have sex with you as related to in relation to her love for you, um, because that's a lot of pressure, right? Someone can fully love you and not have a lot of desire for sex, and they can be completely separate things. And it can, for her, it can be related to something else. Yes, it might be related to. Um, how you're showing up in the relationship. It might be related to old resentments that you guys haven't talked about. Maybe you're not communicating about a lot of stuff, but either of you, sounds like she's not talking about a lot of things. Uh, Maybe it's old stuff that just hasn't been worked through yet and it's leaking into the relationship. Um, And that affects sex. It affects desire. It affects bodies to relax, their ability to relax and to feel safe. So this is a very complex question that we probably won't have the perfect answer for. But I would say to do some research with her because it sounds like you have a lot of questions and you have these ideas of who she is and and what she's into and, and not. And maybe really express to her, hey... These are the questions that come up when we don't have a lot of sexual connection. Do you love me? Do you find me attractive? Um, You also said something though about your ex-girlfriend and you said, sorry, I'll go back to your relationship. You, on a good week, you have sex three times a week. On on an average week, one time. I'm sorry, but most of the married people I know, one time a week is kind of Fucking fabulous! What are you talking about, ex girlfriend? I didn't hear that part. They, and then they said that, that with ex girlfriends prior to meeting my wife, we would have sex almost every day. Yeah, oh, with other other people. Because we were married he and with... didn't have kids. Yeah, but for, I'm sorry for married people There's with no two children who were having t- sex one time a week. That's kind of. That's a that's that's great. Children are energy
0: suckers, and two of them are double energy suckers. And do you have jobs too? If, if they have, yeah. To I mean, children are, are jobs too. And if she's home with the children, yeah. Or if you're home with the children, or and she's working about uh, what whatever scenario is happening here. It sounds like the there needs to be maybe some space given for fun intimacy time where you
1: actually can make space. And I would also say, like April said, there's a negotiation here, right? So you're saying, okay, we have sex one time a week and I would prefer three times a week. You talk to her about this first of all. You talk about what it, the feelings that are coming up for you. You know, you're at, you're feeling unlovable. Like it's bringing up this feeling. Maybe she's not really that into you, um, and you, and owning that as yours. Not telling me that's her experience, but this is yours. And that you desire sex more than once a week. And then she gets to express where how she feels, where she's at, what she needs, how much sex she desires. And then you negotiate and meet each other. But I can say for all the married people that I know, have been together for ten years, have two kids one time a week is kind of badass. Like there, I know people that are having sex once a month and actually what were the, the, the statistics that we got? It wasn't just statistics for, oh, the sexless marriage podcast we oh, did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She said that to qualify as a sexless marriage wasn't it... Um, ten times per year. Yes, ten times per year. So technically speaking... Which is, Esther Perel talks are, about that being bullshit though this, too. Yes, but this person still... It, cause, because that also takes away from each person's unique experience, yet this person is far surpassing that already it's i think again you make your own rules but really having a conversation with your with your wife with your partner and giving space for her to have her experience now they also say and also please don't don't, don't compare your ten, your wife of 10 years to your past ex-girlfriends no they're completely different entities in terms of their experience and then the life that you've built and what comes with that and then do some girls not like oral sex yeah of course
0: yeah. Humans are humans. Everyone's different. We're not robots as we were just talking Everyone's... about in the beginning.
1: And I can ex- talk about myself and my experience with oral sex. My first couple partners did not go down on me. Then when people started to, it just felt weird and ticklish. And I've had some really good experiences with oral sex, but for the most part, it's a tricky barrier to get, out, get over because of my past conditioning. And only until recently my having experiences with partners where any touch that they give never feels ticklish, even when they put their finger on my belly button and I fucking hate that. But now all of a sudden it feels good because I feel really safe and I feel like they know what they're doing or whatever that is. I'm enjoying it. And so here's two examples. One, sex sexuality is fluid and constantly changing. Mm-hmm. And the stories we have, I don't like oral sex, can change tomorrow. Two, yeah, everyone's different and some people aren't a big fan of oral sex. I'm guessing when you say I try to massage her and make her feel comfortable beforehand that that's wonderful and I'm really glad you're doing that and you're going slower and you're doing more foreplay and care. I'm guessing that the biggest piece here is that you two need to have some deep conversations because it sounds like you have an idea of her experience and what's going on and she's not big on talking about it or trying new things and that there's some deeper levels of talking about it that if it can't happen between the two of you on your own, you go, like April said, therapist or coach and you dive in there um, because that's where the gold is. And Just the final
0: thoughts. If your partner in all of this work isn't wanting to participate or willing to participate, perhaps then you have to redefine the relationship. This is why we get stuck and make bad choices outside of our relationships. And I'm not saying bad choices, but choices that are out of integrity. So let's say you're getting so much pushback from your partner. And after months, you're over it. She doesn't want to work on it. She's not into this. She's not into that. And you've seen a coach or she doesn't want to see a coach, then just redefine. There's sometimes it's okay to be like, Hey, my needs aren't being met. I love you. I would love more sex. How does this look? If, if like, I can't get that with you, would it be okay to maybe explore something else?
1: Yeah. There's sex workers out there. There's open relationships. There's separation. There's divorce. There's a lot of options. They don't sound easier and some of them are probably absolutely terrifying for you and you have two kids. So, um, But at any rate, Conversations Open up the doors. And if it, you can't go anywhere in the conversations between the two of you, go do it with the help of someone else. In fact, maybe go do it with the help of someone else no matter what. Because For having sure. a middle person there who can be a really good non-biased guide is a game changer. I do that work with people. We've had a lot of coaches on here on the podcast. Um, I think Veronica does coaching, actually, yeah. who's our guest on this show. Uh, and there's also therapists, hopefully, in your area. Uh, so good good luck to you and hey, I want to always just add this to anyone that sends us a sex question even if it sounds like we are questioning some of your questions um, hats off to you for sending us a sex question that really means that you care and you want to grow so we love that well can I
0: add one last thing not to this question yeah. to our listeners we do listen to feedback we appreciate constructive criticism and if you love this podcast and you've never done so If you can go to iTunes and give us five stars, we actually read all of the reviews. And if you don't feel like it's five star worthy, but you're a listener, well, give us some constructive criticism. But we love five stars. I'm just going to say that.
1: <laughs> April's like, can you just email that to us? So that we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll make the change. If, it, <laughs> if you're an avid
0: listener and never have rated us on iTunes, it just helps people. The only thing it does for us, we don't get money or anything. We uh, get higher ratings and it can help other people find us that need tools, that are searching and hungry for tools in their relationships, in their sex lives. So it's not just about us feeling like gluttonous about, yeah, we're so
1: cool. Oh, no. It's we, about us. We, we own our stuff. I've heard very little other podcasts that will go on the air and say, yeah, you're right. we fucked up and now we're going to try better. but the the operative word in that was constructive
0: yeah mm-hmm. If you write us, you make me want to jump off a bridge yeah we probably one, yeah. won't. We're we're not going to change change who
1: we are. I love
0: life. I'm not jumping off a bridge. No, they want to jump off a bridge. We're not jumping off. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's what they said. Oh, They didn't want to kill me. They wanted to kill themselves. April,
1: go jump off a bridge. If you want to do that, that's your choice. So I'm going to... (laughs) but we hope that you don't. i um, <laughs> going to read a bio for you, everyone. This is a fun, juicy podcast because we actually share a lot of uh, private details in this about, although we do that in most podcasts, but about our own sex lives. We're talking about um, how to be a empowered feminist submissive or just how to be an empowered submissive because not all submissives identify as, well, I guess hopefully they're feminists because I Think that all folks of all genders can be feminists. Uh, Veronica is awesome, and she talks about some uh, life hacks, personal tricks, and tools. Did I said that right? Tricks and tools. I did. God, I'm exhausted. Tricks and tips. Sp- tricks and tips. So, without further ado, here is the bio. So, Veronica is a multi-passionate entrepreneur on a mission to strip people bare consensually. Everyone of the expectations and limiting beliefs that do not serve them so they can thrive unapologetically exactly as they are. From systems to spankings, she emboldens women to leverage their pleasure and power in business and the bedroom with business laid bare, systems for creatives and entrepreneurs that scale and save their sanity and desires laid bare, kink education for beginners in a fun and shame-free way. She gets all hot and bothered by diligent process, thoughtful protocols, and high quality service from the spreadsheets to the bed sheets. Visit Veronicayans.com to learn more. That's V-E-R-O-N-I-C-A Y A N H S dot com. April. Are you ready? Yes, Daddy. All right, everyone. It is episode time, and this one uh, probably speaks to April, both April and I, um, especially me, because I definitely identify as a sub. Although I'm getting a little more switchy as time is going on, <laughs> as I'm discovering. Uh, but I'm excited to learn more about this, and I love the the topic of. Um specifically how we can be a feminist be empowered and a sub especially in this day and age with porn uh, so veronica really really happy to have you here on
2: shameless sex welcome thank you i'm so excited to be here like it is one of my favorite if not my favorite topic to talk about regarding feminism power and being a submissive because it sounds like such a huge oxymoron yeah,
1: yeah, it uh, it does, and I think that that again, like as I said before, with porn, it gets a little more confusing, um, especially if you see porn that is specifically like dominant submission porn. I don't know how much feminism applies to that in the mainstream world, but can you tell our listeners what does it mean to be s- submissive? Who can be submissive? Who is who
2: are the type of folks that are
1: identifying with this, and what does that actually mean?
2: Okay, so of course you start off with the most loaded question. <laughs> Because submission is different for everybody. What I've learned, so tangent, I'm a tangential person. So tangent, what I learned about being in the kink community, living at 24 seven is that if you asked 20 different submissives, what it meant to be submissive to them, you get like probably 25 different <laughs> answers because people can't decide, or it's like an amalgamation of whatever it means for them. So for me personally, I think it just means that it, you enjoy letting others lead. So What's a little bit different about me, and it wasn't this way to start, was that to me, dominance and submission people talk about control and not control or power. And I've noticed that for me, in order for me to be submissive, to, for me to submit to my partner, who is also my master, we live a 24 7 master slave relationship, I have to be in the utmost control of myself. I have to feel the most powerful and most badass. So the thought of giving up control seems like it's a recipe for me to run. So for me personally, I think it's just allowing others to lead. And for other people, they might say it's giving up control or they might think of it as sexual submission. So submission for them is always sex. So I get to ask you both, what does submission mean to you? (laughs) Yeah, I mean,
1: I think like what you said about letting someone else Lead, so, if I think into my experiences of um or my many experiences of of identifying someone as as a, as a sub or submissive um it would be yeah letting someone else lead, letting someone else guide. Um, and there's a there's a caretaking component for me, at least, where I'm feeling energetically and emotionally and physically uh, taken care of by a, someone who is showing up maybe with a little more strength than I am or direction, I guess. I guess that's part of the leading. What about you two?
0: I think for me, it's more of someone else taking control and it doesn't have to be in sort of a... I don't think of it as like this soft way. I think of it more of, it can be like a harder way and not, not um, I'm not talking like physically hard on my body, like throwing me around, but it could incorporate that. I just think about it as more of me kind of loosening my reins, which I, Hold on, pretty tight to in day to day life, and letting someone else take over, and that could be vocalizing or um, actually physically, I guess, tossing me around. Or um, I like that
2: too. Yeah, a lot of a lot of different levels. So you're talking about assertiveness, exactly. Okay, yeah, because yeah. to me, in order for me to submit to somebody, they have had to earn that. Like yeah. I have to respect them enough to kneel before them, not under them, but before them in order for me to do what I do best. Mm -hmm. And so to answer your second question, um, anybody can be submissive. Ideally, you want someone who is more called to be on the S side. So submissive doesn't necessarily have to be dominance and submission, but there's like littles or baby girls and baby boys or anybody basically on the right side of the slash. So you can talk about pets. So pets and their handlers are a type of dominance and submission or masochists are a type of submission on the S side, depending on how you look at it. So anybody can be on that side, but it's even more fun when you identify and it speaks to you.
0: What are are these littles that you're speaking of? So I I, I don't know. I'm I'm new to
2: this, the terms. So I admit I have, and the fact that my partner's going to hear this, he'll just never let me live it down. But. (laughs) I have some little, in me, and I'm putting in air quotes because in the BDSM community, when you are a little, it's age play, age regression, however far you want to go back. So like some people, when they're in their little space, they're talking like from one end of the extreme to like diapers to maybe even someone who's more of a middle like me. So I don't consider myself the, a little who has to draw, who needs a bottle. Mm-hmm. I'm more like your 13, 14, 15 year old, who's like a forever kid Mm -hmm. who's jovial. So it's just a different type of mental headspace for you to be in. That's not where you are now, like age and quote unquote maturity wise. Mm -hmm. So are there bigs too? Yeah. So that would be like your mommy and your Uh daddy. Got it. Okay. So that's, or like you want, or you're maybe more of a submissive who likes that nurture or needs that nurture, that reassurance from a father or motherly figure. And I know that in the age of gender fluidity, I'm probably like stepping on a whole bunch of landmines, but I'm just trying to like clarify, there are so many different terms of how you want to use it, but it's like, there are the caretakers and there are the people that want to be taken care of. Mm-hmm. So that's like the the bigs and the littles. Mm-hmm.
1: H- hence why I love me some daddy little girl play. <laughs>
0: I've always heard that like the daddy, I, I always uh, tap into that, the daddy thing with, with me, but I've never heard of the littles and the bigs. So that's And maybe I jumped ahead. Maybe we were going to get into that, but I was curious as soon as you talked about that. So well, thanks for sharing.
1: Well, when you play with daddy, do you, like if you're playing with someone and you call them daddy, do you feel a certain age or do you just feel like adult April still calling, saying daddy?
0: I just feel like myself calling them daddy. Like I tap into, Kind of something the the rawness or the wrongness in my head of it, like oh, uh, definitely. Uh, I don't think that I ever go back to this teenage self, I know, or even child self. At least not that I can recall off the, off the top of my head while I'm thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. I more tap into like that, like what the spank bank material, and I'm like, exactly.
2: yeah, daddy. <laughs> <laughs> I've been bad. Yeah, (laughs) Do something. And there's no right or wrong way to kink or BDSM. There's just a safe and healthy, you know, empowered, consensual way. Okay. That's a lot of ways, but you know, there's no right or wrong as long as you're safe and everybody that's involved is okay. So like for me, when we talk about, if we're going to talk about the little stuff, like sometimes I enjoy that juice box or like, I'm pretty short. So when I sit on some chairs, I don't, Touch the ground, so you'll see me like just swinging my legs, and my partner will be like, "Your middle little is showing." Like, okay.
0: (laughs) And you have props, like you bust out a capri sun or something.
2: (laughs) Like, here's my juice box, upside down sprinkler style. Yeah. So anybody can be a little, and there's so many like roles and names for how people want to be treated. Like sometimes princess may mean being a queen, like who likes to be served upon. Or princess could be on the little side. So it's like whatever meaning you attribute to it, so long as it means something to you, that's all that matters. Mm
1: -hmm. So on on this note, because I know age, I mean, I'm totally into age play, but I know that for some people it can be like, oh my God, you're playing into things that go under like the category of pedophilia or whatever that is. And I want to remind everyone that this is role play and this is. You know, fantasy, this doesn't necessarily mean that if someone wants to play a little like myself, you know, if I play into being eight-year-old, it doesn't mean that, you know, the person that I'm playing with actually wants to play with eight-year-olds, um, or nor that I really am one. I'm actually 34. Um, but on that note, some people probably are asking you, how is this still feminist? You know, especially if we're talking about the little or the submissive person being, um, a, uh, vulva owner how is this feminist? How is this still empowered?
2: I love that question because I actually discovered that I was submissive when I was taking a feminist studies one-on-one class. So ambivalence is real and I had this desire to read all the feminism literature and to be strong and empowered, but I also had the same desire to be spanked, to be tied down, to be told what to do, to not have to make any decisions. So it took me a long time to really figure out. I'm like, am I even allowed to be a feminist? I mean, all of these people who've done so much for me to give me the rights and freedoms I have now, am I just like giving it all back by going, you know, regressing back to like the 1950s or whatever it is, right? So it took me a long time to reconcile that feminism to me is the right to choose your own path or the freedom to choose your own path. So You can be feminist. You can be kinky. You can be submissive. You can be an entrepreneur who makes a gazillion dollars. So long as you are exercising your freedom to choose, because that's what our four fathers, sisters, brothers, or whoever have given to us, then I feel like that is the definition of feminism. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, I like that. I like that definition of feminism. I think it's kind of a loaded word right there's people who think
0: of it as people with hairy armpits or like or that hate men that hate men or right like someone that's uh out there just masculine bashing or i don't know i just was listening to something about this on um this american life about the kind of like the the what feminism uh means to our country, but also how loaded of a word it is and people's reactions to it, which mm. I don't I feel like I'm a feminist. Yeah. And I'm like, I love men. I love all genders. So what's up? And maybe you
1: like to get spanked too. And I like that, that, you know, that (laughs) definition that it's the right to choose your own path. And which makes perfect sense. I mean, I'm totally taking that definition. I don't know if you got it somewhere else, but I'm totally taking that and means, which means, you know, if my, if my path is, I want you know, daddy to spank me, but I want it and I'm choosing it in a strong, empowered way, then fuck yeah, I'm a feminist and I'm empowered. And I'm also pretty awesome in kinky because I like to do it. Yeah, okay. there we go. And if that's not your jam, everyone, I don't want to like vanilla shame folks who are, you know, not into to kink at all because there's not one perfect way to be. And that's just maybe something that some of us identify with here, but if it's not your jam, all good. And um,
0: that's a good segue yeah. for an, another question, which is okay I'm this strong empowered woman and I want to explore some submission uh, without sacrificing my strength and my badassery so do you have tips that you can share for folks that maybe are coming from a place of hey I'm a badass I'm strong but I want to learn how to be submissive
2: yeah absolutely so I actually taught a workshop on this not too long ago um I taught a workshop on how to submit as your powerful self without sacrificing who you are. And the most important part is to really do some introspection. Like if you are a powerful person, there's a reason why you're powerful. And if you know you're powerful, you're powerful. So it's like write down things that you don't want to sacrifice. Like you shouldn't have to change or sacrifice who you are to fit somebody else's mold or think that that person won't like you as much because you are too strong and you've emasculated them. Mm -hmm. That's happened to me a lot. Like a lot of people got intimidated by me when I'm like, look, I'm submissive, obviously, but I also have dreams of being like a serial entrepreneur who is really, really successful and nothing will stop me. So it's like, I choose to be all these things. It's like, you either take me or leave me. So... It's like don't sacrifice your beliefs, don't sacrifice your core values. Figure out what's important to you and make sure that you honor that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know it sounds super like there's no really tips, but it's like yeah. You know who you are. Mm-hmm.
0: I don't mean to bring up another series because I did that before we started recording, but have you ever seen the show Billions? Yes. Oh my God. So that is the perfect example of this. Obviously, if no one out there in in listener land has seen it, it's on, I I don't, is it on Showtime?
2: Yeah, it was on Showtime. I used to have like Xfinity, but like the opening scene of the pilot episode. Right, the best. It was
0: this- Go watch it. Totally great scene. But in the show, uh, there is a serious- man that's in you know a position of power he's what he is the district attorney no what is whatever Paul Giamatti's character Paul Giamatti's character and he loves to get peed on and love so he's just it's the it's a complete example and his his wife in the show kind of is the best dominatrix ever but I just that's a perfect example of what you're talking about though I mean it's like you can be super
2: powerful and still be submissive So kink should never take away from your identity. If you have to choose between being kinky or being this, or if people say that you have to, then you're not hanging out with the right crowd. It's like kink and BDSM is like the wild, wild west. This is where you get to choose how you want to live your life. You get to make your own rules, so to speak. And so it's like, why not have your cake and eat it too? If kink is taking away from your identity, then there's something that needs to be addressed. So, and it's like sometimes sitting in this like oxymoronic world is kind of hard because we like things that are black and white, or that we know we're kinky, or we know we're not kinky, or we know we're homosexual, we know we're heterosexual. But it's like this is where you get to play in the the gray space, however many shades you
0: want to play in. Shame, no shame.
2: That's no shame. That's right. Right.
1: And so that, that example that you use about the the person getting urinated on, I mean, that could also go into like humiliation play. Would you put things like that, like humiliation play, like maybe uh, submission is its big, broader category and humiliation play would be one of the subcategories of that?
2: Probably, or the other way around. Um, so to me, when you were talking about the whole vanilla thing, and yeah, I hate using the word vanilla because it just there's so many negative connotations to that. And it almost shames people. Like Mm -hmm. even if I'm kinky as all hell, I'm not going to shame somebody for being Mm -hmm. uber vanilla. So like to me, the definition of being kinky is like embodying or living a relationship or lifestyle that goes against the grain of what society expects from you, Mm -hmm. which is why being kinky is different for everyone because that line in the sand Mm -hmm. between kink and non-kink is different. Like somebody only knowing missionary style all their life suddenly does doggy style. Like Mm -hmm. that's kinky as all hell, but that could be someone else's Tuesday night. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't matter.
0: We as humans are so great about putting labels on everything. Amy and I taught a workshop just, I think like last week or the week before, and someone was asking in the class, what you know, the, our definition of foreplay is, and we were like, there is no definition. You create your own, you know, especially with what, what we all think of sex as, as well. Like you ask 20 different people, what sex is, you might get similar answers, but you might get 20 different answers as well. And I think creating your own rules is, probably our favorite hashtag on this podcast. And I think that submission and, and not losing your identity is it fits into that mold as well. So I, I, I that's important. I like that. I'm not going to lose my identity and I'm going to be a strong ass bitch and I'm going to be. submissive. Yeah.
2: And to me, the best form of submission is when you submit mind, body, and heart, because there's sexual submission, which is most definitely physical, but then to me, kink and BDSM, it's such a mindset thing. Like if you know you're submissive, like for me, for example, people are like, how can you be submissive? You're like an entrepreneur who has to make all these different decisions in your life every day. And it's like, well, at the same time, I'm doing this because I'm serving my master. My master believes in hard work. Like that's one of his huge core values. And it's like doing this serves me and doing this serves the relationship. Doing this serves a dynamic. I'm following protocol. He wants me to succeed in my business. So it's like, it's, it's a mental thing.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So when you explore submission with mind, body, and heart, I think that is most authentic because that means that you are creating your own, I call it submissive special sauce.
1: Mm, yeah. <laughs> I'll take a <laughs> side of that.
2: <laughs> because you're creating it and it's unique to you. And while you may draw inspiration from your friends or other people or from movies and media, it's like at the end of the day, if you follow that, it's like, it's going to be really satisfying. And I don't think that you're going to be able to sacrifice anything because you're staying true to yourself.
1: And that's one question I want to ask you, because for folks who maybe don't identify with this, they wonder what are people getting out of it? You know, being in the submissive role. And and one thing I wanted to add to that, when you said the mind, body, heart, um, I think is what you said. For me, for me to really fully submit and surrender, I have to feel really safe. Like yes. that is a key thing. What like this other person or people that I'm playing with, that they got this, and not only do they do they have this under control, but that they are really looking out for my heart and my safety and my well being, and then I can fully submit. And um, and I can say for me, one thing I get out of it is uh, this, just this deep desire. I'm also, I'm a caretaker in everyday real life. And I feel like it's kind of one of the ultimate ways for me to get taken care of, um, as a caretaker so to get sweet. that part. Yeah. That part of me just really nourished in a, in a deep, powerful way. But what are some of the other reasons why some people would enjoy being submissive?
2: So for me personally, so I'm just going to talk about myself mm-hmm. because I, I don't want to make like a huge generalization, but for me, I love being submissive because one, it's, it's like my calling. It's like how, so it's like, there's no other way that, but you just know that being submissive, like serve, like servicing others, not sexually, but like being a service submissive, like doing things for others because it makes them feel good also makes me feel good. And at the end of the day, I think it's about freedom. Mm -hmm. If I submit, To my master and I let him lead, which by the way, when people ask, how can I be a slave when I'm so like strong in personality, I'm like, it's kind of like how CEOs and COO works. He has the vision. He's the CEO. I'm the COO. I trust him to lead where our relationship is going based on his vision. And I have like the chops to take action, the operational side to make things work and happen where I need be. Mm-hmm. So it's like, for me, that trust is so important because if I don't trust somebody, I'm gone. Yeah, And so for me, it's freedom. Um, I also have anxiety. And so knowing that I just need to follow and I don't need to think 10 steps ahead or 20 steps ahead, like I do in my day-to-day life, it's kind of like a break too. Mm-hmm. And so, but at the end of the day, I think it's just I just love it because I'm submissive to one person Mm -hmm. just because you're submissive. So here's a big myth. People think that if you're submissive, you're submissive to like everybody. Mm -hmm. No, fuck. No, you're submissive to the people or peoples you choose. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so he's the only one that gets this from me. Yeah. There's some peace to it. Just kneeling there sometimes or just knowing that I just need to do this. I don't know. There's peace, freedom, contentment, yeah, I think those are the main ones that and satisfaction of course, but like why people do it, like that freedom part is great.
0: This podcast is made possible by some of our favorite things. Uberloop is one of them. Amy, why do you love Uberloop so much?
1: I don't just love UberLube, I am obsessed with UberLube. Before I use UberLube, I had no idea that a lubricant could be this good. UberLube is a luxurious lubricant that I literally want all over my body. Yes, I mostly use it for sex and intimacy, and let me tell you, it enhances everything. It has no flavor, it has no scent, it never gets sticky, it almost feels velvety and powdery on my skin. I want it everywhere. And let me tell you, it also has other uses. You can use it in your hair, for your hair frizzies. You can use it for massage. You can use it for chafing. Again, mostly using it for sex. And it allows me to feel that skin-on-skin intimacy that a lot of other lubricants do not allow for. April, what about you? What do you love about UberLube? I love the beautiful
0: bottle. It's glass. It looks like perfume or some kind of beautiful cosmetic. Put it on my nightstand. Nobody knows what it is.
1: So, to learn more about UberLube, go to uberlube.com, enter coupon code shamelesssex in all caps. You get 10% off and free shipping. This podcast is also made possible by omgs.com. April what do you love about OMGS? Yes. Oh
0: my god yes I love OMGS. Yes. It's a research-based online program where you can look at two seasons external internal vulva
1: stimulation it's tools for your tool belt. Add things to your menu. So if you're looking to up your orgasm game, if you own a vulva, maybe you already have amazing orgasms. Maybe you want even more amazing orgasms. Maybe you've never had an orgasm. OMGS yes, is something for you. If you're a vulva fan and you want to learn how to pleasure a vulva, OMGS yes, is something for you. Again, research-based. You get to watch these tasteful, non-pornographic videos that give you a real idea of what real body is like so that you're not left in the dark. To learn more go to omgs.com backslash shameless you get five dollars off and you can watch the videos unlimited times it is a game changer for all of my clients all of our listeners who have watched it you can find out for yourself go check it out and and on on that note we've had this question from some listeners before and i think that um it's a good thing to touch on so submissive doesn't necessarily mean that you never initiate. And I think no. that people, they kind of sometimes fall into that, like, oh, I'm, yeah, I'm submissive or so I'm going to wait for them to initiate, but then the other people or person, they desire for sex to still be initiated, to feel wanted and desired. How, what are some ways that a submissive person can still initiate play and still be
2: submissive? There are so many things. I, I initiate things like no other. And it's up to, you know, my partner to reciprocate. Sometimes if I initiate too strongly, it might seem like I'm trying to quote unquote top from the bottom, meaning try to take the lead, but you know, as the bottom, the submissive, the S type, but to me leading or taking initiative is even just like asking, like I would really enjoy this. And I don't think that there's any harm in communication. So to the listeners that think they're not submissive, because it's like a mindset, remember? No matter if you're submissive or dominant, communication doesn't make or break you. Mm-hmm. It's if you stay in that headspace, mm-hmm. I think it's there's no wrong answer. So so many, I'm trying to think of like all the things. Like you can lay out some toys in the on the bed, mm-hmm. like hint, 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 mm-hmm. or if you're into what I call punishment, not punishment, but like punishment, you do things like you brat out to like get quote unquote punished. Mm-hmm. That's a fun way of initiating something. That was one thing I was thinking about is, is <laughs> so like when I play into it, cause I, I can play into
1: being the really good girl or the really bad girl and either way I win. So yeah. <laughs> you know, if I'm the really good girl, then I'll probably still get extra care or even like something that is, it still feels like, not really punishment, but extra care in a in a dominant submissive way. I'll be the submissive one, and I win. But if I also get punishment for fucking up on purpose and being the bratty <laughs> little girl, or or fucking up on accident, then I still win. And so it's a really fun way to play. And sometimes I am like the playing that, like I'm you know, I'm the bratty girl that's intentionally making mm-hmm. mistakes oh i dropped this thing you know that you told oh, me no.
2: not to drop i know oh oh oops look i did it i can't believe i did it again that's what
1: bernie spears is singing the whole time oops i did it again she's just <laughs> dropping things waiting for a spanking um yeah i think i agree that it's it's easy to do it doesn't take a lot i think just reminder to listeners that they're it's not they're not the, the same of um you know, so the submissive does does initiate and maybe they don't initiate in the same way a dominant uh person would, but it it can still be um there's there can still be an intention behind the initiation.
2: And I also and, think it's oh sorry, go ahead, Veronica. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, I was gonna say it's human to ask for what you want and need. That's BDSM or kink aside. So I don't think it makes you any less submissive to ask for what you need because you're human.
1: I mean, if you're just like,
2: daddy, my pussy needs punishment. That is a submissive initiation. <laughs> hey, I fight to lose, but I will fight damn hard to win. You could, and you could also take it to a level of, hey,
0: daddy, my pussy needs a hug. right? Yeah. Or something I, I that I, if you don't want punishment, right. I mean, can it be softer oh, yeah. in that regard? And that's something that for me being perhaps unequivocally lacking in the knowledge of BDSM, where I'm like, oh, I'm out of my element since I'm not dressed up in latex and have, you know, a flogger or am not. So I, I mean, I take it to this level of dungeons. And I think perhaps I'm going to speak for myself, but maybe some folks out there um, listening feel the same way. They think of domination and submission as something that's like if they see in the movies and there's a ball gag. It can be softer. It can be whatever level I think that you want it to be. Am, am yeah. I right in, in, in totally that discourse?
2: So like my partner and I, we don't own any leather. In fact, I really don't like to wear black anymore because I like to wear colors and red or blue or pink or whatever it is. But that doesn't make me less kinky. So There's a lot of people out there who that in the kink community, we kind of make fun of them as the one true wayers because they're like, it's the one true way you, if you don't do it this way, which most likely is their way, then you're doing it wrong. Like some people will have ideas that submissives need to only be seen and not heard and, are are meek and quiet and like doormats. And I'm like, fuck, no, I will speak my mind when I have upset. I mean, I'll be respectful about it, but it's like, Mm -hmm. that is if that's not who you are and you're being made to be quiet, then that's sacrificing, you know, you're sacrificing who you are to like please somebody else. And that's not going to be sustainable. Mm -hmm. So to go back to the whole dress code thing, um, I don't, I like to wear dresses. Um, I in fact like to wear jeans sometimes, or actually I don't wear jeans cause that's not protocol, but like my partner will wear jeans to a kink convention because wearing jeans doesn't make you less domly or less kinky, mm-hmm. but like, you'll see some people at those kink conventions are like, Oh, I'm all in black and leather. And then next week they're like in cargo shorts and flip flops. Mm-hmm. So it's like, we'd rather just be comfortable.
1: Well, and there's a difference too. I mean, you're saying that you live it 24 seven and some other folks just drop in and out of it. Right. And then yeah. small little, little windows of York know, for you, it sounds like it's more of a life, lifestyle, of everyday lifestyle for some people. It's just something that they do. And then there's not one better way, exactly. but there's different ways of doing it.
2: Just don't yuck. Yeah, don't yuck
1: someone else's yum Lord, I, we'll, love that. I know I love that I always think of yams when I say that <laughs> yum yum. Yeah. um so what are some <laughs> ways that a dominant partner can help empower their submissive lover you just said that whole thing about people think that submissives should be doormats and that to me it was like okay yeah that's when submission now if we're talking about a Volvo owner you know, is not feminist and is not empowered so I imagine one of the ways is for um, a dominant partner, or you know, a top, or whatever they identify to, um, to invite, to open the doors of communication, to invite their partner, their submissive partner, to initiate, to speak what they want and what they need, um, to ask questions. But do you have any other ideas for that?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So the biggest one is just making them feel safe to be themselves, to explore, and most importantly, to speak up. Because I don't like looking bad or I don't like not knowing or being in the know or not being in the know, like sometimes my ego gets in my way, my pride gets in my way, but it's like creating a safe space because that's all a protective mechanism. But if you create a safe space for your submissive to be able to to communicate with you, like the whole initiation thing and not get punished for it because he or she or they got, they spoke up. It's like, that's going to help the submissive feel like they can trust you and that they can start to sink into that role, however long they want to be in that role. 10% of the time, a hundred percent of the time, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. So lead with compassion, lead with empathy, lead with understanding, because there's a lot of baggage that comes with being a submissive, Mm -hmm. especially women or vulva owners. It's like, we have all these expectations of us. It's like be assertive, but not too bossy or, you know, be complacent, but not too complacent because otherwise then you're you're lazy. You know the whole pillow whole princess. Period. Yeah. So it's like allowing them to feel safe to express themselves in the way that feels natural is going to help empower the submissives to speak up or even to take action or to initiate. And I think it's gonna be so much fun because honestly, who wants a submissive that will just say yes to everything or who's a dormat who doesn't have you know, her own mind, who's not going to speak up like that's no fun. Some people want that don't get me wrong and whatever floats their boat. But for me, it's like I'm really grateful that my partner and values my perspective or likes it when I speak up and challenges him sometimes because that initiates some other fun times. So you,
1: could, just, you could use that as, uh, like, you know, you, you spoke up and asked for what you want and I'm totally going to do it, but now you're going to get punished.
2: <laughs> but
1: you're totally going and everyone wins. <laughs> um, so uh, something came to mind for me that, I, that in my experience, so I've identified as Smith as for uh, many years, but it but can go into more of like a leading role. But recently I had this new experience in my single life where um, I was with someone, and uh, I ended up with them on their stomach, flat, and me behind them, and like totally kind of ramming my my pelvic my pelvis into their ass, as if I was like I was just I was kind of doing them without the doing, um, just uh, and, and I was so into it, and I was like wow, and I just keep. I keep proving to myself that everything I think about who I am as a sexual being is constantly changing. Yeah. Like, so Amy who, who mostly only gets off to being the submissive role now has been really into this. Now since then I've played into it more of like, you know, pinning their shoulders down and just like grabbing their shoulders and, and just all these things where I'm just, this is different and new for me. And um, so I just wanted to put that out there to everyone too, as as maybe if we, when we speak, and it sounds like we're speaking in absolutes about how we identify. Um, I know I speak for myself, I'm sure for you too. I'm shaking we, my
2: head. There's yeah, you're shaking your head.
1: And you said that you have this one partner that you do this dominant submission thing with, but with other people you might not. So it's it's fluid, you know, it's constant yeah. changing. And as more we learn and more we experiment, the more we, possibilities we see of who we can be and how we can play.
2: Like don't get me wrong. I so wanna ball gag somebody with like a jawbreaker and like pelt dot <laughs> <I> rule <drool> everywhere <laughs> and like pelt Skittles and dots at them. Like that's toppy, but that's just the space that I see forever kid, I think. <laughs> but it's just like that that speaks to me. Like I don't wanna slap somebody's face, but I will pelt the shit out of you with candy <laughs> and whip you with like red vine rope as a top so it's it's whatever the energy you're feeling just go with the flow a lot of the I shouldn't especially when it doesn't pertain to safety is a lot of like our values and beliefs that we've picked up or society is instilled in us so it's like you're shifting paradigms you're challenging the norms so the fact that you're exploring this aspect Amy I think is is wonderful because you're having fun everybody's consented and you're just evolving. I'm excited. It's just the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> Amy.
1: Yay. Oh, my, my friend. Say, Amy's back. Amy's <laughs> back. Totally. I was
0: just saying that the other day to someone. I was like, she's back. She's totally back. So, Veronica, you have a YouTube channel, I believe. And also I know that, uh, you perhaps have, uh, other ways that people can find you if they want to work with you. Can you share for everyone out there, kind of your plugs, your handles, whatever you want to yeah,
2: share? Yeah. So I love being on Instagram. I feel like even though people are, or the Instagram headquarters are being a little more stingy with sex education and whatnot, you still show, up, still show up because Oh, God.
1: I just, yeah, we still show up too, but yeah, we've had to deal with some. Yeah. yeah.
2: So I still, I still love Instagram overall. It just feels the most natural for me. So you'll find me on Instagram. I'm, I'm going, It's going to be in your show notes. Um, yes. And so the YouTube channel is actually where a lot of people find me because you don't go to Facebook to look up how to use a butt plug or <laughs> how to be submissive. <laughs> Oh no, I have a video on how to use a butt plug and I use a grapefruit as an example. It's just like dripped all over me that day. It was great. <laughs> where you'll find vid- videos of me. I-, I started a series where I find pervertibles at different stores. So I started with Bed Bath & Beyond. <laughs> it was great. what you find? Just, in- just watch the video. Oh, <laughs> damn okay,
1: Where do they want it? They go to YouTube, do you know, something. Oh, yep, yeah.
2: so What's it's- your IG handle too? So my IG handle is my name, Veronica Yawns, all in one word. And so my because I run two businesses, the YouTube channel is Desires Laid Bare. So I'll give you the link after that is done as well. But yeah, those videos are what people find me on. And I'm writing a book. So I'm going to start writing a book on how to explore dominance and submission that's fulfilling and unique for the people involved. So that's like the number one question I get. The number one question I get is, My partner and I want to explore dominance and submission, but we have zero idea how. And so I'm like, why don't I write a book about this, especially with my perspective about being empowered and there is no one true way. There's only one like you way, like however you want to do it. So long as everyone is safe, sane and consensual, I'm all for it. So it's like, I'm going to write a book. It's going to be like a workbook kind of thing where it's stories of everybody involved so that people get different ideas. But then mad like, Libs, Mad Libs for BDSM. Oh, we could do that too. Mm. That'd be fun. Yeah. And then like, I envision like sections or work exor- like exercises where like the dominant can fill out answers and the submissive can. And then they have a way to communicate what they want or what makes them happy. And at the end of the day, they have this like roadmap that's unique to their relationship.
0: Mm. When is this so, book- do you know approximately or is it just in in the works right now?
2: So it's, I've done the research, I've done the outlining. I just need to write it mm-hmm. because, you know, I got to write it. So ho- my goal is before the end of 2019. Mm-hmm. That is the goal, but who knows? So this was something that came out of nowhere because I'm like, I don't know how to teach this question other than I feel like the bo- a book would be most authentic because people can write in it when you write, it's like thoughts that may not come out in words mm-hmm. come out later easier because you can communicate that with the partner. Mm-hmm. So journaling is super important to me.
0: Mm-hmm. Amy and I have had book dreams and they've slowly been It'll put on the back burner. It will happen. It, yeah. it just always sounds like such a feat that it's but just a slow, but sure burn, as you said. Okay, cool. So, and Veronica Jans
2: is, yans is spelled Y A N H S. Yeah. Thank immigration for that when my family came over in the <laughs> eight. Like, I swear, I don't know what that guy was on when <laughs> they were like, yeah, he asked us what our last name is. Instead of the usual like Yang or Young that you would Americanize, this guy wrote this thing. And yeah. so, like, I'm the only Jans spelled that way. On LinkedIn or whatever, it's kind of scary. That actually makes you special, though. Yeah. That's yeah. also part of your term Tell that to the IRS. Yeah.
1: They're like, oh, can you, you got to explain it over and over again? No, yeah, they
2: mess up and they yeah. switch like the N and the H because it's supposed to be spelled like John, like J O H N. So great X- job 100%.
1: immigration well <laughs> done i my mom's maiden name was messed up but immigration i think it was i think it was uh <laughs> state where her maiden a news because then people can find me a little mine but.
0: was o because i'm not initially april lampert i was colligan and it was o colligan they so, got rid of the o i
1: wish they got rid
0: of
2: the. they got rid of the- <laughs> <laughs> you lost i lost my o but not oh, my
0: o. No. well you're not your o
2: face but not my o face so yeah i will give you guys the links for the book wait list if people want to like be kept up to date on my progress of the book and all that stuff and the YouTube channel I give it all to you I'll myself cool
0: (laughs) all right well Veronica it's been an absolute joy to hang out with you and I don't know do you ever drink wine I do do you like wine a lot more white than red do you love boutique small batch, super organic, heady wine, as we say sometimes <laughs> in Santa Cruz? You should check out marginswine.com. I don't should anyone, but it's woman-owned and operated. Mm-hmm. Megan okay. Bell is the winemaker. Boutique small batch wine. If our listeners out there don't know, now you do. Check out why we love Margins Wine so much. Go to marginswine.com and sign up for her newsletter. She
2: doesn't I'm always have- looking for wine that yeah. I like.
0: It's, it's really yummy. We're drinking some... Um, what is this one? The Muscato, I think, and it's not sweet Muscato. It's not the the classic syrupy Muscato. It's really okay, good. So I recommend that. And Veronica, I hope I see you again soon. If I'm in Portland, I'm gonna try to look you up and hang out because I do let's love Portland. Do I'm gonna do for a trip. So let's do that. Thank you, ladies. All right, thank you so much to all of our listeners out there. We absolutely love you. Thank you for tuning in with us every Tuesday or whenever you drop
1: in and listen